Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. And I am your other host. Casey Clapp is my name. I'm happy to be here, Alex. Casey Clapp is his name. Tree facts are his game. That's right. And today, we're going to give you plenty of tree facts right after this note from our sponsor. <laughs> hey, well, we can't, I can't be a game show host. I feel like I run out of things to say. I was going to say, right after that, I was going to say, 800-588-2300-EMPIRE. Oh. And welcome back. <laughs> oh, God, that would be so good. You know what I love about SNL is that they always do game show skits. Oh, yes. Uh, sketches, rather. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think, personally, mm. I can't prove this, I think it's Kenan Thompson's favorite thing. Oh, he does a lot of them. 90% of the time. He's either a contestant on the show right. or he's running the show. God, he's got to be so tired. Don't you think he's just like exhausted? Oh, probably. He's been doing it for like 20 years. Yeah. I think he's the longest running uh, cast member. I believe so. That they've ever had. And he's got like two kids and wife. Like he's, yeah. he's running his whole life right now. I bet I bet from a from an SNL cast member perspective he's got a he's got it pretty cushy oh i think he does i i read I, I think i read an interview with him where he's like yeah this is something that you know i did this and i did that and i was gonna just do this for a couple of years mm. and he's like now it's it's my forever job <laughs> but he, he's also got to the point where he just talks with lauren michaels in a way that's like listen lauren you can't do it like this we're changing it like right. he's, i think he's got lauren's ear at like a high high level he's executive producer status yeah exactly i think in fact he said uh he just put his foot down and said i'm not going to do any more uh any more skits where i play a black woman oh he's like you need to just hire a black woman hey nice and so yeah and ever since then lauren's like duly noted and has made the change and now there's usually always a way more diverse cast on SNL so yeah. that uh, the other people like you don't have a bunch of white guys or black guys playing white people or black people of, or anybody else at all so yeah. they're like no no we need to we need to have the actual diversity I don't want to make this up anymore right right I thought that was pretty good well uh, Casey um, live from Portland it's completely arbitrary wow <laughs> Today, we're talking about a tree as we do every week, and this is episode three of Treason's Eatings. That's right. Also, episode nine to five, baby. That's right. We're coming up on 100. Are we doing it? 
Well, I guess we can talk about this later, but we're... Two, five. <laughs> what a way to make a podcast. Dude, that song is so good. Hey, that parody writes itself, huh? It does. Um, so so t- today we're talking about another holiday food tree. Exactly. And this is a big one. This is. This is... Well, it's actually kind of comparably small. Okay. Oh, bam. I would call this tree a little, a little cutie if I had to. <laughs> oh, please. Today Alex. we're talking the mandarin orange that is correct as alex I've, as i've said before every dad's favorite addition to a salad now you know it is and it should be a bunch of other people's favorite addition to a salad as well you like a little a little citrus in your salad i do uh well honestly no i like it on the side but i understand people do like it sure in, in the Just on the salad. dump that can of mandarin orange segments oh god honestly i can't stand the can segments because they're yeah. like in that like really sugary syrupy yeah, stuff they and are. They're like oh it's nectar i'm like that's not so the mandarin orange case speaking of fresh citrus alex that's right do you you like a mandarin uh in yeah in the perfect situation I, I think I do. Uh, I think actually I prefer a sweet orange, like the big navel kinds of oranges, sure. a little bit better. Like I'd like that flavor a little mm-hmm. bit more. But the sweet little mandarins. Were Casey's covering. putting uh, air quotes around sweet. They are sweet. I don't know why I did that, but because like the sweet orange is the the kind of navel orange. It's like a genre of fruit. Exactly. Which you know, we're going to cover that in a little bit more. But before we go too far, I had to address something. I must address something. Yeah. That I needed to do, which is the etymology of what we're talking about. This is great. Let's get into it. So we have we have we have two things happening here. Exactly. So where where do you want to start? Mandarin. And orange. Exactly. Well, let's start with the scientific name. This is citrus reticulata. Exactly. So let's let's start with the etymology of that. All right. So citrus comes from the same base word in Latin as cedrus. So it, they're, they're both related because they have that like citrusy, piney kind of scent. That's right. Yeah. It's cool. all coming back to you now. Yeah. We covered some of this with the, the Myers lemon, right? Yeah. We talked lemon. We talked Osage orange. Yes. Which Osage orange is not yeah, doesn't, a citrus doesn't quite but I love that you added that in there. Yeah. That's good shit. You know. Uh, so yeah, that's where that initially comes from, and that's just the the smells. You know, it's literally the citric acid that's in all of these things. Okay. And then reticulata means netted, which probably very likely has to do with the the inside, uh, kind of the the pulp the inside. Pith. Exactly the pith, which is fun. I love that it's called the pith. It is not the botanical wood pith, which is the very center of a of a stick or a piece of wood. Right. Um, but it's pith because it has like the whole thing is a droop technically, like the fruit, which is always fun to think about. But it's like it has all these the the. The different carps, yeah, the mesocarp, which is the stuff we eat. Then you have the the pericarp, which is the stuff on the outside of mm-hmm. the of the Hesperidian, which is the kind of fruit it is. So that's where the reticulata comes from, is that okay. that inner kind of thing. You know, whenever you you like uh, you open up an orange and you like uh, you peel out those like strings of oh, white stuff. Yeah, the webbing. I think that's where it comes from. Okay, great. But who cares about the Latin, Alex? What we uh-huh. really want to know about is orange. Yeah. I had to look this up, and surprisingly, the Wikipedia page has a whole lot on this. So we're just going to kind of run through that because you can you can go through it a little bit, but I'll, we'll admit this is coming from Wikipedia, which is, you know, it's great. Turns out that the word orange is fun. 
Alex. <laughs> wow. You really stuck that landing, Casey. <laughs> Thank you. I really did. So uh, the name Mandarin Orange is initially a calc, which I, I learned about this. Do you know what a calc is? I discovered it today for the first time as well. Okay. Describe it to us real quick. A calc, as far as I know, is a... It's it's a... De- uh, hold on. I just read it for, for the first time. Let me Let me read it again. Okay. Okay. So in linguistics, and no, I'm not quoting the Wikipedia word for word... <laughs> A calc or loan translation is a word or phrase borrowed from another language by literal word-for-word translation. Yes. Now, this should be clear. The loan here is L-O-A-N, as if as in like you're loaning money or you're borrowing something. Right. We are borrowing a translation. Exactly. Or borrowing a term using it as it is used in its native place. I think a good uh, example would be a fiancé. Yes. Uh, okay. A lot of stuff in English comes from French. Yes. So I think fiance, where we're not translating the word fiance into an English equivalent, uh-huh. we're using the French word as now an English word with the same meaning in both languages. So Mandarin orange, it comes from uh, initially Swedish meaning uh, appleson, Mandarin appleson, and apple in sin means apple initially, and sin comes from Sina. So you know, like um, uh, Sinai or Sinensis means of China. Yeah, or so, John Cena, he speaks Mandarin. <laughs> Alex, you get it. <laughs> what if he did name his like he took his own name off of like the fact that he speaks a certain language mm. and went back to the Latin to get it? Man, that would really be great. Yes, Genius. so appleson from German. Apfelsin, and uh, it's basically Apfel and Sina, which means apple and Chinese. Yes. But that was only started to be used in like the 1800s. We actually have records going way back to like the 15-1400s about where this came from. So then it's like, wait, hold on. This brings up the idea of like uh, there's Orange, New York or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there's like uh, Orange County. Then we have these things called the Orange. And then you have the reigning family of the Netherlands, which are the Orange Nassau family. And it's like, wait, well, which came first? Where did this come from? This is a big chicken and egg situation. It is. And Alex, we are going to show which came first today. Wow. Huge, huge if true. Everyone, stop what you're doing. Pay attention. Here's the facts. Orange. Yeah. Initially comes from a Dravidian language. I beg your unbelievable pardon? Yes. Dravidian. Dravidian. Now, this is not the Druids. This is Dravidian. What is this? Which is from uh, essentially the tip of India on the east side. Like Dravid and Goliath. Uh, Yes, exactly. Yeah, this is where they all grew up. So initially, it came from uh, probably a Sanskrit word, which is like Naranja, something like that. Okay. Then that is literally translated as orange tree. And this area Mm. is where the actual plant initially grew from. So millions of years ago before humans were doing anything, much less writing it down, this is where the OG orange probably came from, was this kind of uh, Himalayan hilly area in India. Then it spread out slowly. So Mm. it is only fitting that the initial term came from this area. Very good. That feels like it's, you know, cosmically justified. Yes, good canon. Yes. So then it went over and was used in Persian as Naranj or Narang, one of the two. And then from there to Arabic, Naranj, everything's exactly the same, spelled except there's like an E where there would be an A and it's a J instead of a G. So you know it's probably more pronounced J rather than guh. If I can interject. Please do. Orangutan, is that 
orangutan rather is that <laughs> from the fact that they have orange fur no i doubt it because they i think are actually from like borneo they're not from this region okay. orangutans i'm sorry well but maybe i'll maybe do a little googling while yeah, you continue maybe that's our term so anyway it continually moved through this and then the end was lost and then they started using it and again it was calced from uh old french into italian milan it's melandricio something like that which literally means the fruit of the orange tree mela meaning fruit and uh then orange mean mean right uh, i guess it's orange orangicchio it's complicated alex i wow. can't speak these many languages is you what can't? i'm trying to say yeah alex is just sitting over here smiling laughing <laughs> while i'm just like struggling to say every one of these words no it's good you're way better at saying other things in other languages than i am i don't know opinion. about that that's how i feel maybe alex. spanish all right well i guess that's fair uh you're better at french i would say um although it is very funny to hear <laughs> you not <laughs> stumble through this but you know it's uh, you put yeah it just sounds like nonsense <laughs> it and does, I, yeah i put myself in the shoes of the listener and i'm <laughs> and like is like, this what is should he? i edit this out nah, but no this it. is the content this is sorry the everybody yeah. so <laughs> melandricio melandricio yes means uh essentially the fruit of the orange tree okay and then there's also pumarange which is p-u-m which is uh, an older spelling of pome in French, which means fruit. Pomerange also sounds like pomegranate. It does, yeah. I think they all kind of pome comes from the same thing. Wow. So, God. but here's the funny thing: all of this started coming from the east into Europe, and we started then saying orange based off of all these other things. So, orange came from that. Okay. But the big question is. Well, then, did we have the term orange for the color before that in English, Alex? I would assume, and I, do you have the answer to this? Yes, I do. Okay. I would assume that we got the word orange color yeah. from the color of the orange fruit. Yes. Okay. So, before English speakers knew about the fruit of the orange tree. What did they call the color orange? Exactly. Wow. This is going to be one of those things that blows your mind, but also so lame. I can't wait. It was called yellow red. <laughs> In old English, the term is julo rude or julo red. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. G-E-O-L-U-R-E-A-D. That's incredible. Julo rude. Yellow red. Yeah. That's what we called it. And then when wow. we found orange, we started doing that. That's incredible. What a journey. Right? And then Mandarin, this also <laughs> has a has a wild wild journey. Again, it's just people mispronouncing things. Yeah. In like That's way, a lot of that's a lot of language and translation over oh my time. God. Is, Isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. you can see it so clearly with orange where it started here and then moved as they traded the fruit around uh -huh. and then different languages started calling it different things and like slowly but surely it transformed into today the fruit has become a color. Uh Dimitri Martin famously makes a joke about why didn't we do that with carrots like why isn't this like right. oh that's that's a, a carrot guitar it's like oh it's it's an orange guitar now right and so it just makes me feel very bad for the carrot that is very interesting yeah why didn't we do that? i'm pretty sure the carrot was uh, known to english speakers probably before the orange well carrots were I not always bet. orange 
that's true. That's they right. They were bred to be that way oh, as a gift. Alex, oh my God. To some sultan or something. Probably the, the Orange Nassau family of the Netherlands. It may have been case. Well, the Mandarin, it's less exciting. It's actually just that the Portuguese were in the Malay, the Malay Peninsula, like Southeast Asia. Okay. And they were like, we want to go talk to the uh, the ruling class, which was China. And like, we want to go talk to your leaders, essentially. Oh, Malay as in Malaysia? Um, Yeah, I think, okay, yeah. Okay. Malay is, is that like big Mainland. long peninsula comes down okay so they basically were like yeah so we want to go talk to you people and the the mendri or mentri uh was this term for this kind of upper class ministerial scholarly kind of person mm. so they couldn't pronounce it so they called it mandarin when it was actually like there was no n on the end of it they just couldn't say the right word I see and so then that became mandarin and then mandarin became like the the official ruling class class which was chinese wow So then that came back over with the Portuguese and then everyone said, oh, it's a Mandarin orange because it comes from this area. And it's all just this big mismatch of huge misunderstanding. Everything put together. That's incredible. There you go. So the orange came first. That is the egg. The color came second. Before that, it was just Gilroud. And that's canon. (laughs) Uh, Before we go to our first break case. Yeah. I've got to follow up on orangutan. Oh, please. So orangutan is from French and direct it says directly from Dutch orang otang from Malay orang utan literally man of the woods wow so uh man is orang and utan is forest or wilderness or the wild oh my gosh so oh, it is that's not so good it, it has is not to do with uh, just con- orange for coincidence yeah that's incredible. Honestly, I love the idea that they're men of the woods. Yeah. That makes, I, I, I want to be known as orangutan. And some Bigfoot. Yeah. Hey, stuff. there's an orangutan out there. Look at Casey go. Look at that man of the woods. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. We got to take a quick break. <laughs> Before we even talk about the tree. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. That was, that was all very much worth it. We'll be right back with lots of Mandarin tree talk on this very special episode of Completely Arbitrary's Trees and Zedings. We'll be right back. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back. Hi. Hello. This is Completely Arbitrary. Who is this? Oh, hi. This is Casey with Completely Arbitrary. Oh, this is Alex with Completely Arbitrary. 
I think we're in the right place. Are we? Are we? Are we on one of those TikTok pranks where somebody calls two different Pizza Huts and puts their the phones up together? Oh, I love that. Well, Casey, <laughs> today we're talking the Mandarin Orange, and right. it's high time we ID this tree. I think so. Yeah. Although, does it does it need much IDing? I don't know. I, I it's pretty self explanatory as, yeah. as long as those fruits be a growing. Exactly. Um, Alex, so let's point. imagine that you and I are. Hey, how about how about we're walking where that all began? We're walking through the the subtropical zones of of the Indian subcontinent. How about uh, that? Yes. And we're eating a couple of Subway sandwiches, <laughs> and we took the Subway to get there. <laughs> Uh, and we come across some mandarin trees. Uh, Let's ID uh, this tree. This makes me very happy that we go to we go to India and we just get Subway. Jesus, <laughs> trying McDonald's <laughs> in Malaysia. It's really different. They have they have spaghetti here. <laughs> oh right, Alex. Okay, I'm gonna rip this sub out of your out of your mouth, and I'm going to give you a delicious fruit. I'll take it. Now this is from a tree that maybe is only about. 25 feet tall. Not a big tree. Really? It's not that large, yeah. Uh. But apparently, Alex, it does grow up and becomes very much a, a globe of a tree. It's a very, it's a circle tree. Okay. And then it gets wider over time. So if you leave mm. a big one, it doesn't really get too tall, but it'll grow outwards and grow wide. Okay. They love to be in nice, nice well-drained soil, but not too hot, not too cold. Uh, not, they're not really super hardy. You can get some that will survive. I've seen things that say, oh, this one will survive to like 12 degrees below zero Celsius. Wow. So it's like, okay, this thing can take some cold, but it's like for a few hours, the fruit gets destroyed. Like the tree will not die, but it's certainly not going to be a gorgeous, beautiful, you know, citrus tree like you'd expect. It won't thrive, but it won't die completely. Precisely. Uh, so what kind of life is that? It's know? not a life at all. It's, no. it's not a life. It's a, it's it's more of a an existence. You know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Everyone just I like felt man. That. That's where I'm at. <laughs> so the thing is, of course, like you noted, you're going to see this tree usually with some fruit on it. Yeah. But the fruit is not what makes this tree a tree. It is a tree. It's got leaves. It's got thorns. It's got flowers. They're they're really like kind of these gorgeous, gorgeous little things. And thorns, this is something eh? hmm. it does. Honestly, this it's not surprising. We know that a lot of uh citrus has thorns. Hmm. Um because they're like, yeah, don't don't come eat all of our leaves, just eat the fruit. Okay. So they have these little tiny thorns. Sometimes they're they they have these little wings on the petioles of their leaves that come out. Hmm. Their leaves are this like shiny, very leaf-like ovalish kind of standard run-of-the-mill utility leaf. All right. They don't really split. They don't do anything fancy. They have maybe some serrations on the very edge a little bit, but this kind of changes depending on, you know, the kind of variety that it is. Okay. We'll talk more about that later. Sounds good. Now, the flowers, Alex, you recall when we did the Myers lemon, Meyer lemon? Yeah, I don't remember, remember much too much about the, much too much about the flowers. <laughs> They're... They're really gorgeous. Honestly, they're little tiny white flowers. They have yellow uh, pistons and stamen that kind of come out. I guess it would just be the uh, the stamen that are releasing the pollen. They have these very dainty petals that come out with this kind of tubular center. And they just look just very handsome. They look they look like almost little stars to me. Yeah, Case. I, I opened up a photo here. My I don't know if you heard my reaction. No. But I went. Oh, oh! I didn't. They're very sweet. They are. They they look just like 
they they look like innocent little flowers. They do, you know? and and they they're sort of they're sort of daffodil esque. They are. They really are. They, that's a perfect description. Yeah. Yeah. That tubularness you were talking about. Yeah. And they grow in the axils of the leaf. So you always have like a leaf comes out and then in that axle where it came and it's attached, the petioles attached to the main twig, Mm -hmm. that's where the little flower bud is as well. So it pops out. Okay. So that, of course, is then where the fruit comes from. Their bark, it's pretty utility bark. There's not a whole lot to it. It's, it's, you know, it's fine. It's grayish. It's kind of, you know, whatever. With it, these, it's hard to see. With these hard-hitting fruit trees, I don't need anything special from the bark or the leaves, yeah, It's like, bark, I don't care. Move on. It's like a bonus if it is cool. You right? Know? Yeah, I think that's a very fair thing. In this case, there's no bonus to it. It's just your run-of-the-mill standard bark. Perfectly fine. The thing is, though, the tree itself, like all put together, has this like fakeness to it. Like, I don't know how else to describe Interesting. it. Interesting. Do you think it's because of because of the 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 flowers are very picturesque and the leaves yeah. are kind of glossy. They look maybe like plasticky. Exactly. Okay. The bark has, there's, it's not the main show. It's very like kind of smooth and kind of chill. Yeah. Nothing to it. Then you have these perfect, like little orange fruits. Yeah. Feels, feels pretty made up. Feels like a fake tree. Feels like a tree that you'd see in Disneyland. You'd go and touch and you'd be like, Oh my God, it's not even real. <laughs> these are made of rubber. It yeah. tastes terrible. It's like a, it's like a storybook doll of a tree. Wow. I, I don't, a and I, storybook doll. Yeah. Like imagine a doll that's drawn up in like a little storybook. Yeah. Or like described. Yeah. Yeah. That is, this is the personification of that. I totally get that. I it's guess a, maybe arborification of that. It's so pretty that you're like, what's wrong with it? Yes. It's so made up. Like yeah. it, it, it looks, it looks like it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. It like knows it too. I know it does. Doesn't it? Like it has this little pompousness to it. Yeah. Ooh. Pompousness. Mm. It's not a pomp. Pom- pompousness. Yeah. Well, if uh, you're in French, then it is. Pomp- pomplessness. Pomplamousse. Pomp- <laughs> yeah. It's a pomplessness. All right. But the tree is still beautiful. Like though yeah, it is, it's you know, gorgeous. very much like this. Like it's just, it's just kind of this little thing that sits there. Now it's native officially <laughs> from Southeast and South Asia, this particular tree, which is, we should say, Citrus reticulata. Right. We should also touch on the the very clear elephant in the room. How many citrus trees are there again, Alex? Casey. Yes. There are three. Three. Types of citrus trees. And this, we should be clear, are the ones that we would eat or or breed together to make edible things that grow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, because there's there's all sorts that like we don't eat that like exist, like an Osage orange. Yeah, not even that Osage. Count. No, no, no. Like just other species in that are like citrus something. They're in the oh, same genus. Okay, but we don't even breed with them. They're okay. like they're like marble <laughs> size. Breed with them. Yeah, like we 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 leave them <laughs> to the wild. Excuse me, we do not breed. We only breed with uh, certain trees as yeah. humans. There's there's three there's three main species that we have combined in different means right. to make every citrus thing that you've ever seen at the grocery store, imagined at the grocery store, eaten, loved, drank, all of it. Herein enters the triangle of citrus. The triangle of citrus. The, the triangle, triangle of citrus. Of citrus. Now, Alex, this is the genetic mixing of all three ancestral species. We have first our subject of the day, Citrus reticulata, which is the true mandarin. Right. 
We then also recall the pomelo, which is Citrus Maxima. Okay. Now, that is one that is delicious, but not, it like makes big fruits, but it isn't like, you know, delicious and sweet. I like pomelos. Yeah, they're, they're not bad, right? They're not bad, but they're not like, whoa. I mostly like pomelo flavored things ah, on its own. Okay. Not great, but if you if you add a shit ton of sugar and Exactly, shit to it, add something to it. Delicious. Or you mix it with, say, a citrone, which is uh, citrus medica. Okay. So those are the three. Any of those combinations are, are what we then have have bought and sold and changed and planted over the last several thousand years. So what we're saying basically is that in real world, there are three species of citrus that we eat. Correct. Those three species are crossbred yeah. to shit to make dozens and dozens of... Dozen. Of subspecies, I yeah. guess you would call them, uh, or varieties. E- yeah, varieties, varieties, yeah. cultivars, cultivars. Is what I would, I would okay, use. yeah, that you can find in the grocery stores. Exactly. But originally, the OG there are three. Yes, exactly. They're OG wild things that you would find. Right. So, so you're not going to find, you know, a a a, a pomandarin in the wild. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. yeah. Or at least that happened naturally. Right. You're going to find it in an orchard where those things are grown. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's the forest with a wild one in it. Here's the, the orchard. And then somehow they cross. Yeah. That is the only the only time you'd ever see that. Okay. So the botanic history starts with them, like we said, over in Eastern uh, or not even Eastern, just in the, the foothills of the Himalayas. Okay. Now, this used to be when there was like intense monsoonal rain. This is probably a couple million years ago. Mm. Then as the monsoonal rains kind of slowly dried up and everything kind of became a little little more dry in certain areas, you started to see this migration of all the citrus plants going to South and Southeast Asia and then down through Oceania into Australia. Okay. And they crossed this, this, you know, kind of botanical line in Australia, which is kind of where everything in Australia then started to do its own thing and stopped getting inputs from other places where that right. flora became its own, like went off on its own direction. The, uh, all the things that grow down there, there's lots of different species and different varieties, but they separated enough to where you had this X amount of speciation where we get, of course, our three main ones that we're working with today, but similar to like the pines and the oaks of, uh, say Mexico, Mm -hmm. it's like this, this breeding ground that's so fertile and so like active to where if we're looking at it on a scale of millions of years, everything is still separating out into its species. Like you can see it actively ripping themselves into different species, but we've caught it at this moment in time where we can say, okay, there are three different species, the citrone, the pomelo, and the mandarin. But if you put those two things together, they're not really species at all because they interbreed all the time. Yeah. And that's kind of the big thing with species is that they don't necessarily sexually interbreed or intermix with a different species. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's so fishy though, because it's not so clear where like, for instance, um, a, like a different animal that's really closely related. Let's say, uh, this is going to be weird, but we're going to go for it. Humans and chimps. We are, we're so closely related that some scientists are like, there shouldn't even be a different genus. Like for bonobos, chimps, and humans, 
we should all be under one genus. Oh. Three different species. Wow. So that, obviously, there's a bunch of cultural, you know, religious things that would completely destroy that dead in the water. But scientifically speaking, if some if some third party came down and classified all of the organisms, including us, they would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's uh, Homo chimp, there's Homo sapien, there's Homo bonobo. Right. That kind of thing. Are we the only species in our genus? Yeah, well, no, we're the only ex- uh, extant one. There's like Homo neanderthalensis and- uh, you Oh, know, but those are uh, extinct. Yeah, there's all these extinct uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, hominids. That's what I meant. Yeah, okay, yeah. just making sure. Homo should be nobilis? Uh, I don't homo know. Homo erectus? Yes, homo erectus is one. Is nobilis not one? I'm not sure Maybe if it is. Maybe a tree thing. It might be. I don't, noble I don't know. Yeah. The, oh, it's a noble human. Yeah, no, those <laughs> went extinct a long time ago. <laughs> oh, biting political Boom, commentary from Casey. Yeah, take that. <laughs> that was so lame. That was a good one, actually, Alex. That was really good. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of thing. So this is, uh, it, for, our, for our trees, <clears throat> they interbreed, so they are like species but also easily not species. Yeah, this is interesting. There's an entire Wikipedia page dedicated to the taxonomy of citrus. Really? Just in case anyone is interested. Wow, that is niche. Alex is like, I cannot close my computer fast enough. <laughs> I don't even want to be, I don't even want Casey to even think about trying to get me to go there. That's a command W situation for me. <laughs> yeah, what is a command W? <laughs> command W? Yeah. It's closed tab. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't know that. Contr- as, as the same as control W on uh, Windows. Thank you. But I'm a Mac man now. I'm, Alex is like, listen, I just want everyone to know I'm a Macman. Okay. I'm Justin longing, longing my way through life. <laughs> Good. God bless the man. Um, so, you know, essentially, as we're looking at this, uh, if you think about it, like looking at, um, uh, you're looking down over this area of South, Southeast Asia. Uh-huh. And you're watching over time, like literally hundreds and thousands of years are going by in seconds. You see the spread of, of these, this, you know, the color orange, let's say for showing the, the range map of these species. So the first one, the OG kind of went out and then the colors slowly started to change. And as the colors changed and you, you know, got the hues differed from each other. That's when, you know, they're kind of interbreeding and becoming their own species, you Mm. know, and you get these three main ones along with several other citrus species that are, are you know around the world but not the ones that we eat and really focus on because they just aren't necessarily what is uh important to us in terms of food and money and all this kind of thing yeah so as you see these color changes they're still like orange red and yellow they're not like so far different species that you have black and white you know what sure. i mean sure so that's kind of where they're at. They're, okay. in, they're in this big transition. So as soon as we do what we call like a, a garden hybrid, which is when you just take um, two different species and you plant them in the same spot, mm. they maybe have not seen each other in terms of their species in a couple hundred thousand years. Whoa. But that's not long enough for their genes to change so much that they can't interbreed. Wow. That's like what happened with the plane tree with the um, American sycamore and the... Uh, oriental sycamore oh put those two things together in the same garden poof you get the london plane tree interesting same exact thing here alex so that is kind of what we what we started to do but the thing is we also started to do that um with individual species like the mandarin 
All right. Have I piqued your interest? <laughs> this is so <laughs> Alex is like so NPR. I don't know if we have. <laughs> so they they can hybridize, right? Yeah. In, in between the species, sure. They can also hybridize and interbreed really easily between themselves, of course. So as the mandarins go, which is reticulata, the reticulata group could definitely hybridize or not. It's not even hybridized. They could just, just interbreed, yeah, right in themselves. But they also have the same kind of thing that we've talked about a few times with the the seeds and the cuttings. So we'll give a quick recap. Uh, we would talk about an apple or the pecan, and you'd have an apple, a red delicious. Ooh, cool. What's up? Red delicious. You look good. You cut open that. You pull out all the seeds. You plant the seeds. You are not necessarily going to get a red delicious from each one of those seeds. Right. The genetic diversity is as such that it could be any other variety of apple. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's just crazy. That's so wild to me. I know. Isn't it fun, though, to think yeah. about that? It, like, it just is going to look completely different. Yeah. It's still the apples, but it's kind of like the base model <laughs> comes from something yeah. else. Same thing, though, with uh, with our oranges, where if you plant an orange from seed from a, uh, a any given variety of mandarin, mm-hmm. you're going to get some wild thing that's not quite mandarin-like. Okay. Or it'll be mandarin-like, but it maybe will be a smaller fruit. It'll be a little more sour. It'll be sure. a little more sweet. Maybe the thorns will be longer. Like, you get all these different, you know traits that differ just so slightly so that's why of course we don't usually do that but if you then like continue to interbreed them so like say the the japanese did this because they're so good and have done this kind of thing for so long yeah they would say wow this one's really big or it does really well in this soil that one's really you know delicious and it has the right thing let's crossbreed these make a big one that does well in the soil that's really sweet and delicious exactly that's exactly right the idea they're rolling a die though aren't they they totally are yeah because you're intermixing it so it's kind of this random genetic uh combination you're just hoping that you can do that and get the right genes to combine in the right way so you have the perfect plant so you do it a hundred times exactly okay yeah. you don't just do it once and hope that it turns out exactly yeah you do it you do it once and then you grow them out but they have this long juvenile face so you have no idea what the fruit's going to be like mm. after a while but you got time you're a you're, you're a monk or you're just like this is what i do this you've dedicated your life to it you just let it happen. Sure. But they would do this all over the place. This wasn't only in Japan. This was all over South and Southeast Asia. So people would start to develop these different kinds of fruits, but then they would add in this other thing from over here, and then they would develop this other kind. So it was kind of funny doing the research for this because there's like thousands, hundreds of named varieties. Mm. Just uh, an example of some of the varieties yeah. for, for the Mandarin. Give us a smattering. So we have... This, is, this is Mandarin varieties specifically. Strictly just that. Okay. Yeah. So these are the varieties, not necessarily like what you'd see sold on the shelves, but sometimes they come together. Okay. So class one, Mandarin, you have Chengza, Ladar, Emperor, Uneko, Willow Leaf. Some examples. Interesting. Number two, class two, the tangerine. Okay, what, what is this class business? These are like different classes. So essentially, 
there are uh, some that are similar or have like, let's say 50% are bred with mostly this thing. That would be class one. Exactly. Like the closer, the closer they are to a pure true Mandarin, yeah, the or, higher up on the class they are. Or honestly, even like this is how complicated this breeding gets uh-huh. where you say, okay, I have taken a Mandarin and a Pomelo and I've bred them 50, okay. 50 of each. Then I take that next that hybrid that like they call it like the f1 hybrid mm-hmm. and then i crossbreed it with another mandarin now i have like two-thirds mandarin one-third this other one right uh the pomelo but the thing is i don't like all these numbers are completely made up okay so don't don't listen to that exactly but you enter you do that a few times you have like mostly mandarin mm-hmm. with a bunch of pomelo now if you did that differently or a different hybrid or this or that like you name add anything you get these kinds of classes where it's like, oh, all the ones in the Mandarin class mostly are bred like this. They have certain traits. Maybe the the fruit is all very, very similar, but where they grow, how they grow, their resistance to different diseases mm-hmm. is different. So then you get different, you know, traits. Okay. Versus the second class, the tangerines, they have this other big thing in common. And so all of these are different kinds of tangerines. Uh, I see. Now, I didn't look too far into the class. It was getting way too intense and it becomes like breeder specific where they stop using names and just use like codes. <laughs> and I'm not interested in that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone That's who was whole... really hoping for it is like yeah. disappointed. Aren't they? We can only get so far away from dendrology you yeah, know exactly. yeah before like, i lose interest right <laughs> we move into like genetics it's like oh, yeah, that's... yeah we can only do that a little bit which of course we're doing a little bit here but we're going to stray away from that in just one second we're a class one dendrology we really uh, are podcast. we're a class one podcast yeah. yeah sorry which i like to call first class podcast hey that's very good thank you we gave ourselves that title well <laughs> speaking of titles class two tangerines alex mm. we have the clementine very good. And the Clementine, the Clementine is an example where one person thought that it was uh, found by this old monk, uh, like I think Clement something, in Algeria. Oh. However, other people like, nah, like the Japanese had developed the same exact thing and just maybe didn't name it. And that's how it got over there a thousand years before. Um, excuse me, Casey. I just need to put some uh, lotion on my hands. Oh, is that lotion from Kita, our favorite CBD joint? It sure is. And guess what flavor it is? Uh, Clementine. I sh- a flavor implies that I'm going to be eating it. Ooh, yeah. Don't lick guess your hands. Guess what scent it is? Clementine? It's Clementine. Yes. Okay, good. See, these things are everywhere. Hey, we do. Uh, we, we honestly do use it. That was a really good ad. KitaCBD.com. <laughs> CB Delight. <laughs> uh, so there's Clementine. There's Cleopatra. Mm. Dancy. Pocan, Robinson, Sunburst. Wow. And then class three, Awari, Wace, Kara. There's just... There's, Kara Kara? No, actually, I looked it up. Kara Kara is a kind of sweet orange. Different hybrids entirely. Okay. Anyway, you can see it's getting confusing. Yes, my gosh. I am I am uh, about ready to move on. In a- anyway, <laughs> what else are we going to talk about? So... The big question is, how the hell did we do this? How did we get here? Casey, the big question is, of course, how the hell did we do this? How the hell did we get here? Alex, I'm so glad you asked. Well, my real real big follow-up question is, and I, I, I... Full disclosure, I can't pretend like I'm saying this for the first time. We did talk about this. We talked about this. Um, What is it about citrus Mm -hmm. and apples, apples and oranges, that... That make them uh, incomparable, honestly. 
that make them such good playgrounds yeah. for bana- botanical genetics? Yeah, it's such a good question. The, the answer is a little bit about us and a little bit about the plant. So the mm. first thing to know is that the plant itself is is really good at doing like just doing it, making it happen. They can self-pollinate, for example. Just have a bee kind of move some pollen around on one flower, boom, it's fertilized and it will go. Really? Yeah. So it's it is doesn't a, is that common in the plant world? You know, it's it's kind of common, but also kind of not common. It's kind of impressive, isn't it? You don't want it to happen. It is. It's really impressive. Oh, but some plants go so far out of the way, like magnolias. They will actively have a certain part of the plant be receptive or not, while the other part of the plant is producing the things that it may have to receive. Right. So you get. So you don't want yeah. it to happen because it 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 uh it's like inbreeding with it's, humans. Exactly. Okay. It's inbreeding. It makes the genetics weaker. Yeah, or at least it doesn't make them stronger. Okay. Because, yeah, I don't think we should add weaker versus stronger necessarily. Okay. But if we do add good and bad ideas, then having more diverse genes out there in the world is is better. Right. So the more that you are inbreeding, it's not necessarily bad in the plant world for sure, but it doesn't necessarily help get you, uh, like diver- diversity leads to stability. Right. So if you don't have a lot of diversity, then if anything pushes you off balance, you could completely fall over, right. you know? So the p- fact that the plants can do it it's just totally fine, but it's it's kind of like, okay, great, we, we, we did this this time. We will now produce more of our offspring, which is going to be great, but we'd rather have some other diversity come in so that we can create a little bit more of a uh, complex genome, sure. so to speak. So in this instance, they can do this, and it's really interesting. It's called a po- – I hate this. Uh-oh. It's really hard to do this word. A pomixis. A pomixis. Yeah, or a a pomixis. A p o m i x i s. A pomixis. Jeez. Yeah, it's Pretty really good. hard. And so, like, the a is there because it's it's uh, a sexual. Re- it's asexual reproduction oh. without fertilization. A pomixis. Yes. So yeah. really, it's kind of like asexual. So right. it should be a pomixis. Right. When really, as I want to say it, I want to be like a pomixis. Right. So it's really hard. My brain has to like redo it. Um, I'm sure someone knows exactly how to pronounce it. So please let us know. We accept this. Um, But yeah, essentially it means that the the plant can just produce fruit uh, without having necessarily been fertilized, which Hmm. usually fruit is the fertilized mature ovary. That's right. How does it do such a thing? It just does. Is it a Christmas? Is it a Christmas miracle? (laughs) It is. This is the the, treasons eating's miracle. It's the treasons eating immaculate conception. (laughs) Splendid. It really, really is. Uh, but then there's also like um, parthenogenesis, uh, which if you haven't heard of, it's essentially the idea that a plant can make fruit that has no seeds in it. So we have two different things. One, it doesn't get fertilized by an external thing, but still produces seeds that are viable. Poof, you got a new a new thing, okay. which is what we're talking about. It's kind of like self-pollination, but that's also it's been fertilized. So there's like three things. One, I self-pollinate. I basically take gene A and gene B, put them together, boom, I have a new thing, reproduction, Getting it sexually. Done. <clears throat> then you have 
parthenocarpy, which is the inducement of fruit without seeds, either natural or or uh, unnatural. Okay, you know, artificial divine intervention. Oh, yes. it's divine intervention. Yes, you shall create an orange <laughs> with no seeds by divine intervention. Casey did a force wave. Yeah, I did, and it worked. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then and then you can get the asexual reproduction without fertilization, where essentially wow. it just produces fruit, and like there you go, it's ready to go. You weren't kidding when you said that uh, citrus is good at getting it done. It's good at getting it done. So the plant itself is kind of like just asking for it. Shh. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, as soon as I say that, I'm like, wow, what is it wearing something? You bastard. Oh, Casey. <laughs> the fuck, you know what? I'm going to stick with it. All we right. We can't make too many uh, human versus plant things. <laughs> yes. You know what? You know what? God Ooh. dang it. <laughs> My collar's heating up. The mandarin orange is just asking for it. All right. But also, it asks for itself and answers itself, you know? Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a plant that doesn't need you, but... It's happy to have you. Sure. It's, we're all into citrus empowerment. <laughs> citrus empowerment. Yeah, we are. Honestly, this is actually a PSA episode. <sighs> so <laughs> add in uh, add in this big thing, which is these these funny, extremely smart primates with opposable thumbs and a nose for getting these delicious little fruits in our mouths. Who has two opposable thumbs and has a nose for getting these delicious fruits in their mouth? <laughs> these these things, guys. Right here, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, hey. Did I think, s- go ahead. No, that was going to make a very poor joke. Worse than it's asking for it? <laughs> Actually, it was going to be kind of a, a, a it was going to be from that. I'm just going to stop. Oh. Alex, what were you going to say? <laughs> good, good barometer, Casey. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Well, Casey, that's a that's a very thorough good answer, Casey, and I, I I think that's actually a great place to get into our review of the Mandarin Orange. I think that's I think that's very fair because this tree is just like I, I just I don't I, I I don't even know where where to start with it. So I, I think we need to do something like this. I, I know exactly where to start. All right, what do we got? What are you where are you going to start? Well, it needs to start after a quick break. Oh damn! Sorry, we'll be right back with more treasons eatings. Ho ho ho! Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. That was our discussion of the Mandarin Orange. We need to review 
the Mandarin Orange. And here's how. Oh, yeah. There seems to be somebody at the yeah, door. Who is that? This is really weird. Let's go check. Yeah, let's go check. Let's see who this is. <gasps> Casey, it's oh, Carolers. Hey, hey, guys. Hi. What's, oh, it looks like it looks like they're about to sing a song. For the first tree of Christmas my podcast gave to me A fir cone in a fir tree For the second day of Christmas my podcast gave to me Two pruning gloves and a fir cone in a fir tree For the third tree of Christmas my podcast gave to me Three aspens, two pruning gloves, and a fir cone in a fir tree. For the fourth tree of Christmas, my podcast gave to me four climbing nerds, three aspens, two pruning gloves, and a fir cone in a fir tree. For the fifth tree of Christmas, my podcast gave to me. Five golden cones Four climbing nerds Three aspens Two pruning gloves And a fir cone in a fir tree For the sixth tree of Christmas My podcast gave to me Six trees a-swaying Five golden cones Four climbing nerds, three aspens, two pruning gloves, and a fir cone in a fir tree. For the seventh tree of Christmas, my podcast gave to me seven trimmers trimming, six trees a swaying, five golden cones. Four climbing nerds, three aspens, two pruning gloves, and a fir cone in a fir tree. For the eighth tree of Christmas, my podcast gave to me eight worms a silken, seven trimmers trimming, six trees a swaying, five golden cones. Four climbing nerds, three aspens, two pruning gloves, and a fir cone in a fir tree. For the ninth tree of Christmas, my podcast gave to me nine abies dancing, eight worms a silken, seven trimmers trimming, six trees a swaying, five golden cones. Four climbing nerds, three aspens, two pruning gloves, and a fir cone in a fir tree. For the tenth tree of Christmas, my podcast gave to me ten larch a leafin, nine abies dancing, eight worms a silken, seven trimmers trimming, six trees a swaying, five golden cones. Four climbing nerds, three aspens, two pruning gloves, and a fir cone in a fir tree. For the eleventh tree of Christmas, my podcast gave to me eleven pinus pining, ten larch a leafin, nine abies dancing, eight worms a silken, seven trimmers trimming, six trees of swaying, five golden cones. 
four climbing nerds, three aspens, two pruning gloves, and a fir cone in a fir tree. For the twelfth tree of Christmas, my podcast gave to me twelve prunus plumbing, eleven pinus pining, ten larch a leafing, nine abies dancing, eight worms a silken, seven trimmers trimming, six trees a swaying, five golden cones. Four climbing nerds, three aspens, two pruning gloves, and a fir cone in a fir tree. I'm not tipping for that, Casey. That was so cute. Oh my god, you guys! Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Happy holidays. I feel like Alex. Those were the two finest voiced carolers i've ever heard i i agree casey like stunning whoa they vanished like ghosts god (gasps) the hell's going on here wow come play with us casey the spirit of the holidays (laughs) literally a spirit trying to kill you for the holidays oh okay that's the true christmas spirit yeah the true christmas spirit is actually a very scary ghost (laughs) little boy ghosts yeah anyway that was so sweet the 12 trees of christmas how did they know I, I that's the weird part wow <laughs> i guess because they were ghosts yeah they heard us recording this podcast through the ether yeah and then they had to share uh, via the ether as well yeah well anyway what my I, heart is warmed my, mine as well i wish we had some i wish we had some some sort of christmas cookie to yeah, eat while we listen exactly to them i wish we had a mandarin orange that we just pulled out of our stockings so that we can you know scarf on that a little bit me too casey wow but well, the best we can do is a review of the mandarin that's as good as we got on this show here's how it works we're gonna give it some final thoughts to this tree and then give it a rating of zero to ten golden poems of honor for our treasons eatings mm-hmm. casey as our resident uh Wait, hold on. What was it called? As our resident translation loner, we'll begin with you. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Translation. (laughs) Yeah. Calk. Calk. Calker. Yeah, I'm a calker. Calker. Oh, thank you, Alex. I, this is a complicated one. Right off the bat. I like it, but if I'm thinking what's my favorite kind of uh, citrus fruit, it's not. It's not the mandarin orange. Wow. I like the sweet navel oranges, which, if you want to argue with me, are in fact a hybrid between, I think, the the pomelo and the uh, the delicious mandarins. So you're saying the mandarin's a little too, maybe a little too tart for you? Or? You know, it's not even too tart. It's just, it's got like that little tiny, it, the orange flavor of it mm-hmm. is, okay, so have you ever had Sunny D, Sunny D Light? Oh, we, we weren't allowed to have that when I was a kid. Good, because it's <clears> gross. <throat> yeah. Is that really, is that true? You weren't allowed? It's true, yeah. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, oh, I God. think just because it was like 80 grams of sugar for a cup. Yeah, it's just not, it's not real orange juice. It, I always wanted it because everybody drank it on TV. Exactly, yeah. I always wanted Sunny D. We'd always go to the store. Man, that worked really well. Mm. Then I was like, okay, my favorite kind, like if I was like, what kind of orange juice do I like? Straight from concentrate out of that frozen tube thing. Oh, yeah. Add some water to it. Stir that up. It's the best. Oh, yeah. 
I used to actually take and just eat that right. I would just like take the frozen thing, just scoop it off like ice cream. That's pretty disgusting. It's pretty rough. Yeah, I know. I was a child. I was a little crazy. These things happen. Kids like gross shit. I don't think they do. They're experimenting. They don't know their own bodies yet. Sticks of butter. I still. Okay. Anyway, let's move on, Alex. So I, that was like my preferred flavor. And if I have a navel orange, it's that flavor. But then even like the, the simply orange. (laughs) You remember the Simply Orange Yeah, stuff? sure, yeah. So that, too, to me, tasted like Sunny D. Like, it just tasted fake. Is that from Concentrate? I don't know if it is. I'm sure it is, but they, they claim it's not kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. The moral of my story is it's there's, there's little nuances of flavor, mm-hmm. and the Mandarin is not my favorite nuanced flavor. I understand. I prefer other other things entirely. Fair Limes, enough. lemons even. I like lemonade. I, have, I haven't found a lemonade that I'm like, ooh, this tastes fake. Most lemonades taste pretty lemonade Sure. Your poems are your own. Case. My poems are my own. I appreciate this. So I, I enjoy it. I think what I like about this tree, to start with a positive, is that it is, A, the one that you can plant the furthest north. So if you want to have one in your yard, you probably can. It's not going to do well. It's probably going to be really unhappy between like 9 and 11. So we could probably plant one here in Oregon and just move it in a garage for a couple months and then put it back out. Between 9 and 11? Sorry, uh, USDA zones. Uh, so that's great. You can plant it uh, kind of in more northern climes. I dig that they are really easy to peel. You can just like kind of rip the peel off without any trouble at all. Whereas with an orange, like a sweet orange, a navel, sometimes you have to like really dig into it. You have to like get that perfect spacing for it to mm-hmm. all come off without leaving like the white kind of powdery or the white, you the know, pith, pith stuff sometimes on Sometimes you dig into the flesh itself accidentally. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, ah, so the, I love that you can just like pick it up and just be like, whoop, and you it basically just like, just like look at it and it yeah, deals itself. It's like you could, it's like you're squeezing it out of a tube and yeah. it's stoked about it. Sure. So that's all positive. It's not a big tree. It's not a tree that uh, I think is great for everywhere. However, I dig the idea of having a fruit tree in your yard. And Mm -hmm. this is one that you can grow at high, high places. So the things I don't like about it, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a tree. It's a, it's a, it's a promiscuous tree. A little small for your taste. A little small for my taste. It also is a tree that I feel like everyone would really stretch the boundary for. They'd be like, I want a citrus tree and they'd plant it. I feel like you gotta, you gotta love the trees in your own spot. It's like seeing, um, uh, palm trees around here. Yeah. They're just kind of out of place and you're like, oh. They look gross. You, yeah, like they're you, struggling. You need to be a house plant. Please yeah. be a house plant. Don't do anything else. All this being said, I'm going to give it like a six zero. Wow, that's extremely low yeah, for it, what I was, I thought you were going. It's great. Honestly, if we were doing like the sweet orange, which we can't, well, we could because there are no rules here. The navel? Uh, the nave. Uh, then I'd probably give it a little bit, a little bit higher because I, I prefer the fruit. For this, it's a fruit that everyone seems to love, but I'm always convinced they don't really love it. Okay. 6.0? 6.0. For the Mandarin orange, Alex, yes. uh, you as our resident, um, I'm going to say as our resident citrus expert. Oh. Last year, uh, I we before we even covered any citrus plant at all, Yes, I think I let you know, it might have been even the year before that, I was like, dude, you can't get citrus when it's not January because the cycle of the plant is that right now is when they're really in season. Yes. And you you never it never quite struck you and then all of a sudden when you went out and bought in season fruit from a citrus plant, yeah. you were 
blown away. Yeah. So I think that makes you the expert because ever since you've gone back and been like, give me this one, give me that one, give me that one. So you've probably tried more than I have at it's, this point. It's true, Casey. I am a I am a somewhat recent citrus convert. I've never been that much into citrus, but I've I had never had really good in season citrus until yeah. a couple of years ago. There you go. And at, at your at your behest, I love citrus overall. I'm not giving a grade to citrus today. I'm giving a grade to the mandarin. Exactly. And here's the thing: I love mandarins, baby. I love anything that even resembles a mandarin, like any of its any of its close cousins. Seriously, yeah, any small kind of tart, sweet citrus, I am in too. Really? Uh, give me ones without seeds, though. Seeds ah. really fuck up my citrus jam. Like, really? it's such an inconvenient like citrus. I just want to put in my mouth and just chew and let the juice like envelop my mouth. Ah, uh, you don't want to have to deal with this little grenade in no, there. No, 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 no. I love most any citrus. Honestly, I don't know if I've ever had a citrus fruit that I disliked. Really? Um, they all work for me, baby. But they're all like, you know, they're like different. They're like different pairs of shoes, you know, oh. like some days you just wear like you feel like wearing this pair of shoes. Yeah. Some days you just feel like wearing that pair. Of shoes. They, they each one serves a different mood, right? A different purpose. Oh, OK. I give the Mandarin a solid 7.8. 7.8. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It is high. God, I always well, forget. See, I thought yours was low. I, yeah. Yeah. I guess I I'm, I'm trying to make sure to look at it from a tree point of view. Okay, you well, know, that's hard for me with, with the it fruit is. trees. Exactly, I was just going to say, you you have, whenever the fruit's there, you're just like, boom, on, on that as a, as, a, uh, as a reviewer of just, you know, like I said, a different kind. You see things with a different perspective. That's why you're so goddamn unique. Wow, what nice. a nice compliment, Casey. Thank you. You're welcome. So you gave it, what, a 6-0? 6-0. I gave it a 7-8. 7-8. We land somewhere in the middle. That was our review. Uh, of the Mandarin. We hope you enjoyed that. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. Casey, this week's question is from Merle on the Patreon. If you've got a question for us, join the Patreon at the $3 Quercus and Alder. That's Q&A tier. Send us your question. Merle says, Hello, Casey and Alex. Thank you for answering my question on this past Q&A episode. I guess we answered Earl Merle's question. Yes. Um... But Merle is writing about somebody else's question, Casey. Yes. A question was asked about not allowing walnuts to produce fruit. The question in question yep. oh, is uh, <laughs> somebody wanted to stop a walnut tree from producing walnuts. Yes. Because they just like dumped walnuts all over the place mm -hmm. and it was not vibing with their lifestyle. Exactly. So Merle has sent us a follow-up to that patron's question about a chemical solution to get the walnut to stop producing fruit, Case. Yes, and this is something that um, I was really happy that Merle sent over because I generally, we talked a little bit about uh, plant health care. That's right. And we did this because uh, we just finished a Q&A episode for Patreon. Uh, so we answered all of the questions that um, all of our uh, fungal associates sent in. So this one, uh, yeah, I think actually specifically it was a, a young character called Anakin. And Anakin was uh, wanted to ask a question. So Anakin's parents said, well, you can do it if you make enough money to pay for this month's uh, this $3 tier level. Yeah. So uh, they ended up getting that work done by 
funny enough, like collecting all the walnuts that fell in their in their yard. And Anakin's question that Anakin chose <laughs> like, was, how do I stop this from happening? Exactly. <laughs> <That's> brilliant. <laughs> so it was, uh, it, it all works out really nicely. And so um, basically I said, well, there's some couple like just, you know, ways that you can do this. They're not going to work very well. Right. And then Merle said, I actually am an arborist and I do PHC, which is called plant healthcare. Uh-huh. Plant healthcare is essentially using different chemicals and different um, integrated pest management approaches to manage a tree for something, whether that is a disease, whether it is growing too fast, whether it is trying to manage it from doing anything. Uh, it is a, a way to do it. Oftentimes, this is translated as using chemicals on a tree. It should be noted that that's just one section of it. It's integrated with a lot of other management techniques. So uh, Merle's been doing this and said, well, I actually use dikegulic sodium. And I think I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, I choose to pronounce it that way. Outright. <laughs> hey, nice. Dikegulic sodium. And it's a plant growth regulator yeah. that Merle says blocks the DNA synthesis resulting in a reduction of fruit of up to 95%. My favorite part of this, Casey, was that it's a systemic trunk injection. Yeah. Is is this as straightforward as it sounds where you literally take a vial of something <laughs> and with a needle and inject it into the trunk? Well, you have to be wearing a white uh, like lab coat. Uh -huh. Your hair has to look like you just got electrocuted right. and you have to have big goggles that are hard to see through. Okay. But yes, that's it. Is it really? No, it's not quite. Ah, dang it. Mostly it's because everything that is underneath, like all the uh, the stuff going up and down in the cambium layer, all mm -hmm. the different uh, chemicals and saps and all the different things that are viscous fluids inside of a tree, they're all under pressure. So if you just stick something in there, it usually will start to be pushed out because the tree says, well, uh, I'm being attacked and it oh. pushes stuff out. Ooh. So a lot of times it's actually more of a forced injection with like a little bit of a pressurized tool. Wow. But the thing is, I've just never really done a whole lot of this. And there's a lot of new technology that's coming out, but often it is just kind of this weird kind of injection gun that you put into the tree and it kind of goes in the bark a little bit and then just kind of shoots it into that space. And then the tree absorbs what's been shot into the space. And you do maybe, uh, depending on the diameter, you go like maybe every three or five inches around the tree and you just go. Interesting. Yeah. So it's a really effective way to uh, to treat a tree for something without doing it through the foliage, which yeah. is a big, big thing that a lot of people don't like, where if you watch someone do this, they have a big truck, they turn on all these pumps, they have this vat of fluid, and then they have these giant sprayers that look like power washers, okay. and they just basically shoot and just douse the tree, which, you know, is can be a huge tree with whatever spray. And then you can just imagine there's going to be some amount of, of that spray drifting to the next tree or the next neighbors or something like yeah, that. Yeah. The kids playing in the backyard next door. Yeah, exactly. So um, a lot of people look pretty down on it. And then that, those chemicals are absorbed through the leaves Yeah, in exactly. the same way they would absorb water. Or? Precisely. Okay. Yeah. You think of, um, roundup, the famous, uh, yeah. uh, stuff that kills it. You're not supposed to use roundup as a systemic thing. It wants to be 
squirted on the leaves of a plant because that's how the plant absorbs it. That's how it, it gets entered into the system that then becomes, you know, then it starts to do its work. Okay. So if you do a trunk injection or the other option that is usually done is a ground injection where they just inject it into the soil around a tree. So then it uptakes whatever it is they're trying to do. Oh, sure. And there's a lot of different things. Uh, in this case, um, you squirt it into the trunk and then the tree, it's it's like a closed system. None of it's being sprayed over into the neighbor's yard. None of it's going into the ground and right. some going here, some going there. It's going directly into the tree. In terms of unfavorable solutions, it's a pretty mild one. Exactly. And what I love about Merle sending this over is that Merle's like, hey, we're, you know, I we're doing good work here because the alternative to this growth regulator, which hold on, we'll put a pin in that, is that they would cut the tree down. Sure. So in this case, essentially, uh, Merle and the company that Merle works for is trying to say, hey, 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 this is a good tree. It's a healthy tree. It produces this one issue, which is completely natural for the tree. It's inconvenient for you. Right. It's like a human-based problem. It is, oh, 100%. Yeah. So then they say, well, we have a solution. That solution is something that people often don't like, which is, you know, chemicals. And Merle starts this by saying, I know how you feel about right. chemicals. So it was nice to reply back and say, well, Merle, actually, I'm totally with you on this because you're right. The alternative is cutting the tree down. Yeah. So in this case, what the... Uh, uh, the product is, is a growth regulator. And a growth regulator does one of two things. In this case, it blocks the DNA synthesis resulting in the reduction of fruit. So basically, the, the fruit kind of gets aborted so it never actually becomes the big final product. Mm. There are other growth regulators that say keep a tree from growing too fast, where it literally makes it grow an inch or two a year, whereas normally it would grow six or eight or ten inches, you know? Wow. That's really useful for like, hey, I want this view in front of my house to be maintained, but I don't want to cut all these trees down. Let's do a reduction cut pruning uh, treatment to it. So the trees is cut so it's a little bit lower, but it's not completely, you know, just topped and looks horrible. Treat it with this growth regulator, then the tree grows really slowly over time, but it doesn't die. It doesn't have anything that really is, you know, too detrimental other than the trees not doing its natural thing. Sure. But- it's still there. You didn't cut it down and you've kind of met the needs of the client while still maintaining your ethics as someone who cares about having trees that are healthy living on the landscape. And that's the most you can ask for, I reckon. Yeah, exactly. And the big thing that Merle also brings up is that if they don't take this job and provide this other thing, then someone else is going to come by and say, oh yeah, let's just cut that tree right. down. So uh, Merle says specifically they would not cut it down if they if they refused the treatment option, then they would just say, yeah, we're not going to do this job. We have enough clients and we are here to retain and keep these trees on the landscape and manage them. It honestly is is, is such a lovely uh, addition to this question. Yeah, thanks for your work, Merle, and, and thanks for sending in that information. It was, yes. a, it was a cool find for and us. And Anakin and family yes. for providing the question right off the top of the bat. That's right. Thank you. Uh, hey, if you've got a question for us, Join the Patreon. I've already said all this. The Quercus Nolder tier, Q&A. You can also join the Arboretum and get two bonus episodes a month about other related topics and trees. Or hey, that Cone of the Month Club. You get a unique die-cut cone sticker, conifer cone sticker, sent to your inbox. By inbox, I mean mailbox. <laughs> Every month with a little info card. Every envelope guaranteed to be licked by Sir Casey Clapp. You got it. <laughs> Above that, you can join the Arbitrary Plus tier. Get two live streams a month from Casey and I. 
which are coming up here. Yes, a they days. are. And above that, generous admission. That's right. If you just want to give a little extra and help the show, that that give us that little extra push to do special projects and really really go all out on your support. That's the place for you. Casey Clapp. Alex Croson, what a lovely episode. Can I just say Merry Christmas? Well, sure, absolutely. Merry Christmas to you too. And of course, uh, happy other holidays, but I, you and I celebrate Christmas. Exactly. That's Generally why I'm we do. That is uh that is what my family does. I also like the idea of having a Saturnalia. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You oh, you hipster. Those Romans. <laughs> those Romans. <laughs> Well, Casey, uh, good work on this episode, and um, as I, I hope that everybody enjoyed your your Christmas gift from us this year, which was that <laughs> interesting uh, those those ghost boy carolers. Hey, more treasons eatings next week. Our finale. That's right. We're talking about the quints. It's going to be a quintessentially great episode. Amazing. Yeah. Well, we'll see you then. Oh, yes, we will. Uh, until then. Happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. And thank you from completely arbitrary to you and yours. Was that good? I think that was perfect. Thanks for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 